Hey there, everyone. Ellen here with Kevin and Michael from Potadu's Women of Broadway Summer Series. We're here this summer to celebrate the big steps taken in our industry. The fact that nine different women choreographed or were slated to choreograph 10 different musicals this year is huge and deserves celebration. That step has led to changes in the foundation to theater, putting women at the forefront of choreography in our industry, which is amazing. But there's obviously Obviously something else missing. People, specifically women of color, are missing. So while we've gotten to the peak of this major hill in Broadway history, there's still very clearly a mountain to climb. Yeah, it's true that we're all in this together. And while we are celebrating women, it doesn't go unnoticed that this industry is specifically missing artists, choreographers, and people of color. So hopefully our podcast can open this dialogue further, and especially some of the projects coming up on Pas de Deux podcast later this summer and fall, focusing on the racial injustices in the dance world. And while we're on the subject of celebrating women in theater, let's just get some more women of color in there. That's right. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for loving dance and theater. And thanks for supporting us. And now, the Pot of the Podcast. Welcome back to the Potadu Podcast. I am your host, Michael Mahaney, alongside, as always, two of my favorite Broadway icons, Ellen Marie Marsh and Kevin oh, Michael Rapone. There they are right there. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hey. Icons. Oh, thank you. You're the sweetest. <laughs> we are back again with another episode in our summer series, The Women of Broadway. And this week, we've got another badass female choreographer from Broadway's unprecedented 2019-2020 season for you to hear from and celebrate. That's right. This week we're chatting with Lucy Hind, the choreographer and movement director behind the international smash hit Girl from the North Country, which opened at Broadway's Belasco Theater back on March 5th. Lucy, by the way, is not only a badass choreographer and movement director, she's also a mom. That's right. She is. She's an all-around superhero, and she also happens to be a part of a historic year on Broadway. Unprecedented, I believe, as Kevin said. Which which leads us to this, a reminder of why we're all here. Kevin. Obviously, at Padada, we love to talk dance, chat with choreographers, and interview artists. But this summer series, The Women of Broadway, is specifically focused on the nine women who choreographed or were hired to choreograph Broadway shows this year. That's right. Now, the number nine is key. I say this every episode, but it's always worth mentioning, and it's, it's why we're here. When you think about the fact that there were 14 new musicals slated to come to Broadway this year, and nine different women were hired to choreograph or create the movement to 10 of them, that's remarkable. It's worth celebrating because nothing like that has ever happened before. Yes. And since there isn't a Tony Award ceremony this summer due to the COVID-19 crisis, we're celebrating their work and poking and prodding that huge crack in the glass ceiling of Broadway choreography that developed this year by bringing you a chance to hear from as many of those choreographers as we possibly can. So why don't we start right now? Let's get into it without any further ado why don't we bring in our guest for the day there she is Yay. ladies and gentlemen <laughs> girl from the north country choreographer lucy hine hi welcome to the show lucy thank Thanks you for, for having me of course thank you for joining us thank you for dealing with our technical difficulties that we had this morning but why don't we let everyone know a little bit about you before we start the interview yeah. born in south africa choreographer and movement director lucy hine has been part of the team that brought us Girl from the North Country this year to Broadway. She's worked on the show since the world's premiere at London's Old Vic Theatre back in 2017, for which she won critical acclaim. She also is responsible for shows like The Last Ship, which was in UK, Toronto, and the recent US tour, The Light in the Piazza in London, LA, and Chicago, Ugly Lies the Bone at the National Theatre in London, Miss Littlewood at the Royal Shakespeare Company, The Merchant of Venice at the Shakespeare's Globe and US tour. Now, Lucy is also an artistic associate at Slunglow Theatre, works regularly on television for the BBC, was the movement director for Truth Seekers for Amazon Studios, and as I said in the opening, an all-around superhero. So, 
Lucy Hind, welcome to the Pot of the Podcast. We are so happy to have you here. I know I said that before, but we are very, very excited to have you on the show today. So, Girl from North Country, it is uh, a massive international hit musical featuring the music of Bob Dylan, but it was your show that was on Broadway this year. It's also a had a West End company that inspired the transfer. But just for folks who may not know the show itself yet uh, or didn't get a chance to see it prior to the industry shutdown, can you give us just a little insight as to what the show is and how the movement plays into what it is? Sure. It's um, it's a really special and unique show. And uh, when we first started making it, the joy of it was that we didn't know what it was going to be. And it's evolved into this kind of really beautiful piece of poetry it's a story which is set in the 1930s in Duluth Minnesota which was Bob Dylan's birthplace but it's not a biographical piece about Bob Dylan it's about a boarding house where individuals and families come and go it's incredibly poignant at the moment because it's about people dealing with a situation and and especially a social and economical situation where people are really at the lowest of the low times in their life. And, um, and I heard a quote the other day, somebody said, uh, we're, we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. And I love that hmm. description for this lockdown period, but also for the show, which is about, we are all facing these huge turbulent times, but the characters in the show are all in different, different boats. They they come and go in the boarding house. Some are looking for love. Some are looking for new opportunity. And and the story is really just about humanity and hope. And the and set to the backdrop of Bob Dylan's music, which is unbelievable. And and I and I was a fan before, but my goodness, when you take the time to unlock and really peel away all the layers of his poetry, you get to really experience the the real joy and detail and nuance in his work the songs don't necessarily fit with the story all the time so it's not new music or or the play hasn't been written to to fit the characters every now and then they parallel the stories do so hurricane which is the song about the boxer is sung by joe scott who's a boxer and you can read into between the lines there that maybe some of the bits of the narrative are in alignment with his but it allows these moments where the characters can step out and step above the story and sing one of Bob Dylan's amazing songs. Um, yeah, it's, as I said, it's a really special, really unique piece. The music sort of floats above the storyline. And the joy of that was the movement didn't have to necessarily be, it didn't have to be literal, it could be poetic, and it could be about humanity and about real people. And I love that. Um, there's a real mix of movement in the show, uh, everything from some real 1930s vocabularies, a foxtrot and a turkey trot and, and some waltzing. But then there's also some really abstracted stuff which helps tell the story, I hope. And yeah, it's a, it's a very, people have responded very strongly towards it. And, and we've been making it for years and I never get tired of it because the same way that you can listen to one of Bob Dylan's songs again and again and again and hear something new every time. I watch that show again and again and again and I see and hear and notice something new every time. So it's a real privilege to have been able to work on it. Um, thanks for that. Um... So we have to take a moment to just quickly address the shutdown, which has just caused so many visceral reactions and everybody in the Broadway community. So Girl from the North Country was already open and got some really great reviews, was on the way to, you know, building a successful and consistent audience. What was that like for you? finding out, you know, the culmination of all this hard work and all these years of developing was the end result of the shutdown. Were you back in the UK at the time? Um, I had just landed, actually. We had our press night on the 5th, our opening. If you call it in America, we had our opening on the 5th of March. And then we recorded the album like two days later. And we got so lucky with our timing because we literally opened on Thursday, recorded the album the Sunday and the Monday. And I think the shutdown happened like Tuesday or that week, end of that week. Yeah. Um, and I'd literally just got on a plane to go home. Um, it happened so quickly that I, it's genuinely such a shock. I still even now can't believe Broadway's shut. You know, when you think that's, there's certain kind of um, institutions that will never close and yeah. it still doesn't <laughs> feel quite real. It really doesn't feel real. Um, we got uh, even some questions on the red carpet that night where kind of people asking 
the journalist asking, what, how do you think it's going to affect us? And even then, like what, a week before the lockdown, right. I was still saying, look, we're, it's, we're going to, everybody's going to take precautions. It's all going to be fine. There's going to be some changes, but we're going to carry on. And it was a real shock. And of course, utterly heartbreaking. There's no other way of describing it. You, you spend your whole life working towards, well, you know, one of the, the, the pinnacle of making a show on Broadway is because it's, a, it's, it's got that that accolade but also the amount of people that can see it the amount of different types of people who can experience your work and when we made that show I don't think necessarily we had Broadway in mind you know we had we just made the show for what it was and we loved it deeply and the fact that it this this little beautiful piece of art that we made made it to Broadway is still such a such a treat and such a shock for us and we're so proud of it so yeah completely heartbroken that we didn't get a chance to see it fly but it will it will continue to fly it will definitely have its time and um and we are very lucky that we managed to open my heart you know aches for those that didn't quite right. get to open and didn't quite yeah. get to see their show yeah. with an audience so but yeah there's a number of shows that were in previews there's a number of shows that were still in the rehearsal room that didn't get to mm. uh open you know six was at their opening night on the the night of the shutdown night, yeah yep um flying over sunset was supposed to start previews i think that night it's just it was yeah. crazy so yeah There's it really is in dope. a sense very lucky that you guys did get to open but very very um bizarre and and one thing too before i know kevin has a question for you but i I wanted to follow up before we started you'd mentioned that if this is okay to talk about you think that you are recovering from COVID 19 yeah you said that you and your husband have a food bank just can you give us uh just tell us about that sure it's um my husband runs a theater and a pub uh, here in the north of england and um and when they closed they looked to do the most useful thing they could do which was to become the ward so that i don't know if you use that word in america we say a certain area and a collection of postcodes is called a ward Mm -hmm. and they became the head food bank for that ward so we get daily referrals and families who need food and we hustle for food. No one brings us food. Uh, we call supermarkets and we call food charities and we collect food as much as we can. And then we have drivers who are volunteers and we send them out to families. Um, wow. Yeah, and we became quite ill. You know, the logic says it's because of the food bank, but we don't actually have contact with um, the people we're dropping food off with. We just literally t- drop it at their gates and knock on the door and walk away. But mm-hmm. who knows where we got it. But we were both poorly for a few weeks, but we are better now. Like, well, well, that's very, I very nice British. to hear. I love that British. We were poorly. <laughs> we were so poorly. I love that. Oh, we were very poorly. It's a great word. You guys have some zingers. I we love. I love with the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> as she sips a glass she, of wine. As she just sips her wine. <laughs> yeah, if you're not watching the video, you're only listening. Yeah. Yeah. Good Lizzie on you, Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Look, it's 10 o'clock at night for me, guys. Come on. That's right. (laughs) Ellen Marsh was in Kinky Boots on Broadway, so she loves to bust out the, uh, she loves to bust out her (laughs) British dialect for everybody. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Enough about the pandemic. Kevin, Kevin, ask us, uh, let's talk about dance. Yes, we are so glad you're, we're so glad you're better. Um, But tell us about creating the movement to Bob Dylan's music. I mean, the man is arguably one of the best musical poets of all time. And your movement was called Delightfully Loose Limbed and a paradoxical mix of rough individualism and smooth synchronicity, which is some some amazing words. (laughs) Awesome description. (laughs) So what was it like developing and creating this movement to the show? I mean, no pressure, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mess it up. No, don't worry. Nobody said that to me. Um, I'm really lucky to work, have worked with Conor McPherson, who's the writer and director. And what he's great at doing is um, he's got this great phrase he uses where he goes, we'll know it when we see it. And I never genuinely felt any pressure to deliver a product. And that was the, the joy of it, the real joy of it. Um, we would just we would just start, and I know that sounds so random, but it it was really brilliant because sometimes with with productions which have a name like Bob Dylan and it and big producers is you're expected to arrive with all the answers, and absolutely we never did that. And I do think also that's quite a Dylan thing to discover and to not deliver the answer immediately allow the audience to unpick it and see themselves and experience themselves in it so um so obviously to begin with i went and listened to a lot of dylan (laughs) 
a lot. <laughs> and the thing that really struck me with his work was A, the poetry of it, and as I've mentioned, the kind of layers of it, but also the way in which, like all music, the best kind of music does is it has the ability for you to go, oh, that's my song, or that's mm. exactly where I am right now in my life. Yeah. And you really connect with something and you take ownership of it. So I knew immediately that that's what I wanted to do with the movement is make it feel like it belonged to everyone, whether it was the actors and the dancers in the company or whether it was the audience members, that there was a real sense of being able to connect with the humanity of it. Um, again, no small task. So, um, <laughs> I've got, uh, <laughs> I don't think I have a particular style as a choreographer, but, um, but what I am interested in is I love humanity in all its glory. I love working with actors. I say a lot to, and a trained dancer myself, the thing I say the most to uh, trained dancers is stop dancing because yeah. it does this thing that I do as well. Yeah, where you go into the back of your head when you go into dancer mode. And what I want to do with actors in, in stage productions and especially with Girl from the North is, is bring them forward and make them really present. So, so we played a lot with what I tended to do was teach a set of vocabulary and then let them feed it back to me and then um, piece it together into structures and frames and then let them work on their characters and then make offerings. The other thing, which I think is quite me, maybe, who knows, over the years, nearly 40 and still haven't discovered what my style is, um, <laughs> is I often say, <laughs> That's all right. I often say, yeah, it's okay, isn't it? Um, together but not the same and that uh, I've come to really love that as a thing that I've found is that I want it to feel like it's together but not identical that I love that quote that you read about the individualism because that's absolutely what I aim for I wanted to feel like it's from the same world and they're in the same moment together connected people moving absolutely together in a moment but they're not trying to be the same um, right. and that's yeah and I and I love that finding that in this show and I think you know that style is not suitable for all musicals absolutely not but right. um i feel like this show and my style just found a way to live together in the same space also one other little thing to add about it is quite a lot of it is especially in the second half because they're big party scenes quite a lot of it is improvised by the actors which i love because it gives them the opportunity to keep it live and keep it real um not the big numbers the big numbers i'm like stand on your number guys <laughs> stand your number um, right. but the the party scenes again they've been taught physicality of the 30s they've been taught how to hold themselves how to be right historically for the time physically so a bit of body coaching work and then again i've taught them a variety of dance styles and they can just go and dance with whoever they want to whenever they want to and those are my favorite scenes to watch because i love watching the real kind of human interaction that's uh, very, very special cool. but yeah yeah well and that must be fun for the the company too to not sort of absolutely to, to have that yeah, freedom the, to to live in the moment every night and and make it what it is for you that particular day i hope so. that's and that's, that's just storytelling right i mean it's just an yeah. extension of the story so i think that's absolutely. that's great and not all choreographers <laughs> sort of have that trust in others and sort of like putting mm. you know not being precious and putting it aside and letting the continuation of yeah. the story go through movement i think that's amazing yeah, yeah. somebody well, one, an interviewer did ask me um at one point like how when you leave the show how do you know that you can trust the actors you know especially a show that runs for a very long time i know right, right. um clearly wasn't interested, <laughs> but it is it, it is it's definitely about investment and i think if those actors and and dancers and ensemble members love the show as much as you do they absolutely will hold it with the care and respect that you have invested in them as people. And they aren't just dancers in a line for me. They are people and they are actors and they are humans. And, and I love that that has been cultivated by the director, by Connor, but absolutely touch wood have never had that happen in the years we've been doing the show. That's so cool. And I, I love that your style and, and, and just reading about you before we came on to do this today, it was so evident that, it, obviously you you say that you don't have a style but the way in which you work is so more about <laughs> yeah. delivering a story than it is about any specific style of movement it's about using movement to tell that story which is why i think absolutely you're 
movement works so successfully in Girl from the North Country. Mm-hmm. One question that I have just sort of on the fact that you've worked both on Broadway and in the West End is how different is it? Are rehearsals run the same? Are actors coming in the same the same amount of preparation? I know one of the things Joanne Hunter said that people dance in socks and U.S. choreographers think that that's crazy, but like actors in the West <laughs> End like to dance in socks. I, what is the your thoughts on the differences between working on Broadway and working on the West End? That's so funny. Do you know, I've never experienced that. I've never experienced okay. rehearsals any <laughs> dances in socks. But to be fair, I work... <laughs> Maybe it was just that company. Maybe. To be fair, though, the very specific genre of work that I work in isn't necessarily with um, musical trained dancers. I right, work right, right. with actors and and sometimes I get the joy of having some dancers in there as well. Um, so uh, mostly it's more like put your cups of coffee down. You can't do this with a, glo- with a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. no, <laughs> do you know what? It's, re- it's not a massive difference. I didn't notice much of a difference. Um, what I did notice, the one thing in terms of how rehearsals are run, is in the UK, uh, it's absolutely my responsibility to warm the company up in mm. both rehearsals rehearsals every day and in and on stage and then the dance captain's job then takes over to run that warm-up so rehearsals will start at 10 and from 10 to 10 50 if, if they're starting with a movement call I have to run a physical warm-up um, sometimes it, uh, if it's a long rehearsal period I'll run a full hour and then I'll be using that hour to not only warm them train them try and build up some stamina for the show but also teaching them bits of choreography out of context so I can sort of be trying it out and then the show as well built into the show call they have to all go on stage they meet before you know they go and drop their bags and they go on stage and they do a half an hour physical warm-up and a 15 minutes vocal warm-up and then they go and get ready for the show whereas yeah have you guys ever a lot of english um i was in enron and our english director was like all right warm up we're like what (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we warm up together. What is this? <laughs> what is this? That's a, when we, I, yeah. When we came to the public at first, Kono and I carried on running rehearsal warm-ups and the actors were coming, they just loved it. The company were like, I can't believe you give us like yeah. a free class yeah. every day. And I'm yeah. like, but if any of them get injured in the UK, if there's an injury, a physical injury, I'm responsible for that. Unless oh, wow. it's a freak accident. But if totally. if somebody totally. isn't warmed up and they pull their calf muscle, there's going to be a risk assessment which says that I didn't warm them up properly. And mm. I can't believe as well in the, in the US, sometimes the first time you see your colleagues on stage is on stage. Yep. So you can right. arrive, go to your dressing room, and the first time you see them is you walk out on stage. You're like, oh, hi, how are you? Yeah, I yeah. can't yeah. even fathom that. Or, or if you don't look at the in-out sheet and you see yeah. an understudy, you're like, oh, you're on today. <laughs> people literally, I, I have run into that. I'm a swing, Lucy. Yeah. And no, I've gone oh, on stage okay. and people have been like, oh, I didn't know you were on today. Yeah. And I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, and I'm, we have two dressing rooms in our building. Like, there's no, there's really no way to miss that, but it happens. It's so funny. But Bayork Lee is a big it's advocate so for for warming her mm. her her company up before yeah before shows. Yeah. She does her full one hour warm up. So I think it's yeah. Really what it's called, Kevin? Do you know what, what? Bayork's? Do you know what her warm up is called? Do you know Michael? I, no. <laughs> what? No. What? I mean, I've done I've done her show, so I'm I'm interested. It's to called whoop ass. Bioric calls it whoop ass. Just called it the warm up. Yeah. <laughs> whoop ass. That makes sense. That's it's a nice track. So, it's good. <laughs> it's really good because you get to check in with yeah. each other. Yeah. I you agree. Know, it's really good. Yeah. But I understand that we wanted to do it in America, and actually, it's um the costs of that of calling people earlier were so enormous that it actually. Right. It wasn't it wasn't financially viable. Whereas in the UK, you don't have to pay people extra. It's just part of your contract. Um, I feel like yeah, that's most the of the difference. actors would probably voluntarily come to something like that if it was suggested, at least for a while. And yeah, you know, I think that's I think that's a really cool concept. It sucks that it's sort of on you if somebody gets hurt, especially if it's something that they're not taking care of themselves outside of work. But that yeah. that's kind of lame. But the idea that everybody has to yeah. go and physically warm up is is a really cool thing. Um, but the cool yeah. thing is West End doesn't know any different. So right. I feel no, like that was ju- that's just how it is there. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's true. Okay, we're going to take a break. But before we do, we're going to play a little uh, a little hot take with Lucy, just so oh that we can goodness. find out a little bit more <laughs> about her before uh, we take a quick break. So 
this one is specifically built for Lucy because she is so international globally oh and, and global and worldly. And Kevin and Ellen have heard the same questions over and over again. So this one is pretty much completely new. Everyone can play. Lucy will answer first. The only rule to this game is that you just have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Number one, burgers and fries or fish and chips? Fish and chips. Burgers and fries. Fish and chips. Oh, Kevin. You <laughs> nice. always surprise me. I gave up meat. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, fair. I'm pescatarian. Well, but fish is so meat. Yeah, okay. same. Okay, pescatarian. <laughs> pescatarian, yes. Number two, yeah. high tea or diner coffee? Oh, high tea. High tea. Diner coffee, baby. Diner <laughs> coffee for me, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love I the idea of high tea, but diner coffee. I, I, I don't think I've ever, Lucy, I don't think I've ever had a high tea. Maybe we should, when we're no, back, that's from that that that. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> a Darjeeling th- with a nice scone. We'll be uh-huh. fine. <laughs> well, which leads me to my next question. I should have said scones, but crumpets or donuts? Oh, donuts. Definitely. Donuts. Yeah, donuts, yeah. Donuts, for sure. No question. Okay, this is a new kind of question. <laughs> on, a sc- on a scale of one to ten, how do you rate Leonardo DiCaprio's accent in Blood Diamond? <laughs> <gasps> That's a good one. I'm, I, I can absolutely answer this straight away. It's like a minus one. Bless him. He's, <laughs> he's a good actor, and he's great in that, but his accent is terrible. Terrible? terrible. Yeah. So, I terrible. know South African pretty well, and it's... Even to I mean, my untrained ear, it's yeah. like really, it's embarrassing. Yeah. I have to say though, South African is very hard because right. when I when I specifically like listen to you, Lucy, I hear I hear a bunch of different things. Yeah. No, she's a mishmash for sure. You're yeah. Yeah. a mishmash. I'm Lucy. Mishmash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like a mutt. <laughs> yeah, I am absolutely. If I speak to my friends back home, they're like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, number five. <laughs> Ultimately, London or New York? <gasps> you yeah. can't make me answer that. Okay, <laughs> I can actually answer that really easily. I'm going to say New York because I don't live in London. I actually live in Yorkshire. And if you'd ah. made me choose between Yorkshire, York, but I do love New York. I adore New York. Well, I was going to make like you it's... pick between South Africa and like the UK. Yeah, thank or you. I appreciate like that. that. So, okay. I appreciate right. that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and again, on that. Would you rather have a weekend in the British countryside or be at the beach in Cape Town? Oh, I mean the beach in Cape Town, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I figured that yeah. one. When you said that yeah. you were raised at the beach, I was like, that's what she's going to say. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay. Easy. A very Easy. British beer question. Would you rather have a Guinness or a Newcastle? Mm-hmm. A Guinness. I love Guinness. Nice. Me too. I love, I love a Nuki. I love a Newcastle too, yeah. <laughs> a Nuki. See, Gu- Guinness is a little... Does anybody say Nuki? Is that a they real do, thing? They, they say Nuki. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you prefer the metric system or the imperial system of measurement? Now, this is where it gets really embarrassing because I, <laughs> I don't, I have to constantly Google this <laughs> to work what is which. But I use like uh, kilogram uh-huh. and metric. kilometers. Yeah. Not you use the one that everyone else in the world that? uses except us weirdo Americans. Where everybody yeah, else the Americans use miles and pounds. And okay. then, yeah. 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 No, Brits, Brits use miles, but both, bit of both, but yeah. <laughs> okay, and then on that also, would you, do you prefer driving on the left side of the road or the right side of the road? <laughs> I mean, the left. I drove, definitely, drove uh, in Boston last year for a week. I was there, and um, I mean, it was the most terrifying experience of my life. <laughs> and that's how I feel about driving on the left. Like, I, 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 I was like, ah! <laughs> I have never been so scared so scared in my <laughs> life about, like, i mean not only it's it's back it's no absolutely yeah. not absolutely not nope just straight turning up pulling out of junctions oh jeez. Yep. Mm-hmm. it's very scary oh. okay <laughs> last one before we take a break three albums that you couldn't live without this is this one has been oh, on the questionnaire stop. before but three albums that you couldn't live without 
Oh my goodness, stop it. Our very first album I ever bought was What's the Story Morning Glory, Oasis, when I was growing yes. up, which I love. Oh, um, I also, gosh, the moment, I mean, I frequently return to a Beyonce. Oh, Immaculate yeah. Collection, Madonna. I have it on vinyl, which I adore. And it was sort of like, it just keeps getting reborn. Uh, do you know, at the moment, I'm completely in love with the birds because they've done some great Dylan covers and I've mm. got um, Turn, Turn, Turn on vinyl as well. And I play that on repeat as well. And I feel like those songs are kind of embedded. So I'd say, yeah, that's a good mix. We've that got some good Madonna, yeah, some that's birds. That's a very good mix. If you want to dance, cool Madonna comes listening. down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And you're listening to all your records on, on vinyl. Exactly. That's very cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in two minutes with more from Lucy Hyatt. We'll see you on the other side. Hey listeners, it's Clara here. And it is Michael. Choreographers, raise your hand if you could use more time, space, and money to create your work. Oh my, it's like every hand in the city just went up. Like what? One, two million <laughs> hands? All of them. And we can all see them, them all from and our fingers, tiny too. windowless recording studio. All the fingers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not. We all know the answer is all of you. So enter the CUNY Dance Initiative or CDI. CDI is a residency program that opens the doors of City University of New York campuses to professional choreographers across New York City's five boroughs. They can offer you free space to create, teach, and perform, as well as financial support. CDI has already helped over 130 local artists launch new work, develop new audiences, and establish new relationships with NYC Performing Arts Centers. And you know what? You could be next. Actually, Michael, we've interviewed a ton of CDI resident choreographers over the years, I think uh, during your tenure and before. And I will say they're just always such innovators in the dance community, and they're a really diverse collection of artists. We have so many incredible choreographers. You and I had the chance to talk with Tiffany Mills last year. We'll never, of course, forget Jess's awesome interview with 2019 Bessie Award winner, tap dancer Caleb Teicher. And a while ago, we talked to Estrada Sherry, a girl and a house dancer. We talked to Annabella Lanzu, uh, Ben Grace Royan. We even got to interview the director of CUNY Dance Initiative, Alyssa Alpine. And you can find all of those interviews and more at potata.com as well as potata on iTunes. Now, missing this once a year application to be a CDI resident is heartbreaking. So do not let it happen to you. Make sure you jump over to the website, cuny.edu slash dance initiative and join their email list. And check out the homepage for application alerts, insider ticket discounts, and so much more. And if you just love dance, make sure you follow at CDI underscore dance on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay. Back to the pod. Welcome back to the Pod of Do podcast. Ellen Marie Marsh here. It is time to play a little Broadway trivia. Are you guys ready? Yep. So ready. Very ready. Very ready. <laughs> Just as long as we keep this one fair, please. It's yeah, been... no, no, no. Totally fair. Yeah, right. That's what you always say. And somehow it's never not. It's never fair, oh, but well, whatever. I, I don't see it that way. Potato, potato. Also, I should say, I have my own plug right here. Uh, I should say that you can catch Ellen hosting Broadway Trivia every Thursday night live on Theater Mania's YouTube and Facebook pages. Just a heads up if you want to play Broadway Thank you, Trivia. Michael. All right. So quick review. I will ask each team a question. Kevin and Michael will be playing against Lucy. After your question, you'll get a few seconds to come up with the answer. If you don't know, the other team can steal. First to five points wins. And uh, no whinging, you two. All right? Come on. Right. What? Okay. <laughs> My hands are right here. Okay. I feel like there's some history here. <laughs> so question number one to Lucy. We're going to start with an easy one. Who choreographed the 2020 Broadway musical that features music by Bob Dylan and was okay. transferred from the West End? <laughs> I mean, guys, I mean, it was me. Yeah. Oh, oh okay, so yeah. I didn't know that. So when I wrote it, I didn't, I didn't know. Uh, These are just, they just so fly you off wrote my it, You wrote it in October. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, it just flies. I, I had no idea. Thank you, Lucy. Whoa. Okay. Great. Um, I'm glad that everybody got that information out there. Okay. Since you've been oh, complaining so much about the fairness, yeah, I've decided okay. to give you a super duper easy one. Okay, really. Okay. So name five West End theaters. <laughs> uh, okay. Pouring out of your mouth. 
uh, <laughs> where's the, the old Vic? Is that one? The new Vic? Are, no, are either no that's, that's not a West End theater. <laughs> I literally uh, couldn't tell you. I'm horrible. The Gershwin? Yeah. I don't know. You, guys are, you guys are not only letting yourselves down, you're letting no, America down. The, Sch okay. the Schubert? No, those are all Broadway theaters. I don't know. Okay, the, you uh, know what? Do you, I don't know. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I don't Santa actually Maria. know. Okay. <laughs> All right, fine. Well, you don't know it, so Lucy can steal. Lucy, would you like to steal? Name the no Yes, I would. <laughs> I'm right. sort of the Noel Coward because that's yep, where that our, is uh, yeah. yep, where we started. Uh, we've got the Palace, the Palladium, yep. Yep. the Piccadilly, the Ambassadors, yep. the Adelphi. Uh, yeah, yep. lots. Okay. Oh, wow. The, um, awesome. The Drew Lane. I could have like so. guessed the Palace, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I should have said yeah, the palace. Really I right. said the Schubert, which yeah. is based off the Schubert family in the United States, which is a terrible guess. I mean, okay. it's not a bad guess. It's a good guess. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, anybody. Okay. Embarrassing, your, embarrassing yourselves, and by yourselves, I mean me. Okay. And the country. Um, okay, so back to Lucy. Yeah, which 2020 stalled. Broadway choreographer is also responsible for the choreography Sting's last ship in oh, the UK, on, Toronto, Ellen. and on the US tour? What? I what? <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, it was me. Uh, yeah. Yes, it was you. Oh, wait, now that I turn to the answer, it is it is her. I didn't know yeah. until I flipped the page. Okay. This better Correct. be like okay. a very simple question because this is yeah, no, you this are is, down three this points, is ridiculous. which means if you don't get this and Lucy steals, she wins without even getting to the final question. So I'm excited. Okay, continuing on our West End okay. theme, which 2020 Broadway choreographer also choreographed Mamma Mia, which on the West End is now the third longest running musical ever. I know that. I know. I actually know that. Kevin, do you know the answer to this? Um, no, but you do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's the guy who choreographed Tina, Anthony Van Last. Uh, okay, see, you guys aren't yeah. total. I mean, I'm the worst, but. Yeah, see, you know, I know my to be there. Okay. You tried to give me one okay. that was like kind of easy, but actually still like you didn't think I was going to get it. But I did. I knew that. Not I knew that. Way. Nailed it. Good job. <laughs> okay, so this last point is worth $9 million points uh whoever wins first wins the game are we ready yeah okay let's this go. is straight down the straight we're still in it kev point. let's go in what year did the original drury lane theater open in what year did the drury lane <laughs> open the original, original. Drury hmm. Lane Theater. What year? It should is, just flow off the tongue, if I'm honest. Is that I a Western? <laughs> fall off uh, the tongue. I don't. The, I don't think there's. There's no I way that Lucy actually knows this. Believe it or not, I actually rented a flat on Drury Lane next to the theater. So I do actually know this answer, but okay. I'm just gonna... 1924. I'm just 1924. That's really, really close, Michael. Really close. Really close. What is no, it? it's definitely in like the 1800s. You think it was that early? Also yeah, something close. like that. Okay. Well. <laughs> so very cool. You've been very kind. What is it, Lucy? Do you know? <laughs> I think it's like 1663. Yeah! It is no. 1663. Are you kidding? First of all, A, that's you, Ellen, are you feeding these answers no, to our guests? You're, we're no. all looking at each other right now. She lived <laughs> next door to the theater. Maybe, you know, look up, look up from your phone. Oh, yeah. Maybe it said you know established I mean? in 1663 somewhere. Yeah. That's for, and well, secondly, magic. that's great. That's a long time magic. ago. I know, I right? I forget that things are so much yeah. older outside of the yes. US. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so actually literally today I was gonna Go say ahead, one of the saying? Western theaters today um has flooded. That's how old they are. Oh, um God. yeah one of the basements is flooded it was in the news today but anyway that's beside the point. They are very, very old. Very beautiful, very old. <laughs> well that's a, a lot of antics, I think, on on Ellen's part for trying wow. to make our Zero guests feel welcome and making us I'm look like of. idiots. But Lucy won, um, obviously. Lucy won, yeah, obviously. obviously. Lucy, you win ten thousand dollars. <laughs> Ellen's gonna provide the doll. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's uh, let's get back to our interview here, Kevin. I know you uh, you wanted to find out a little bit about Lucy's dance history, so why don't you? Shoot. I did. I did, Lucy. Take us back to the beginning. You grew up in South Africa. 
So tell us a, a bit about how you initially found your way into dance. Let's start there. I, like many uh, little girls and boys, started uh, doing ballet when I was very little. And um, and yeah, I carried on until I was sort of 18, 19. I did ballet and jazz and um, didn't do tap, unfortunately. Deep regret. Need to have a word with my mother about that. <laughs> <Me too>. um, <laughs> and <laughs> and um, went to the most brilliant university called Rhodes University and did a psychology and drama degree. So we don't really have drama schools like they do in the UK and the US. Um, but we do have universities where you can go and get a normal degree and then you can do drama. Um, and I went there because they have the most incredible drama department. They also have teachers there who have studied all around the world so i got a real mix of training um they have a company there called first physical theater company which is um run by a fantastic choreographer called gary gordon who actually studied in laban and was sort of one of the original dv8 dancers kind of very early worked with lloyd newson so there was that element of kind of anarchic 80s physical theater and then that matched with uh, another wonderful um, movement specialist called Andrew Buckland, who studied kind of more Lecoq and clowning and Gaulier, uh, sort of French and European style storytelling. So I had that real mix of um, ballet and then physical theatre. So everything I learned in ballet, we then threw out the window and we threw ourselves around and I cracked ribs and broke toes, chucking myself around. And then... Um, <laughs> which was brilliant when you're sort of 19 and feeling anarchic. Yeah, and then, very Cirque um, du Soleil of you. <laughs> yeah. Very, very Cirque du yeah. Soleil. And then this kind of other incredible training of the minutiae of isolation and mime and economy of movements. And that combination, I am just so, so grateful for. Danced with, went on to dance with First Physical for a few years after that, and then moved to the UK. Um, and then actually thought I wanted to be a dancer, got, I mean, obviously always wanted to be a dancer, um, did a bit of work here in the UK, and then very quickly realized that I love movement directing and choreographing, and ended up working in theater, as opposed to the dance world. Um, dipped my toe in a little bit, but very much have built a career more in the dance, in the theater world. It's interesting here, because I'm not sure what, exactly what it's like over, over there in America, but the two industries are, are really quite separate here in the UK the dance industry and the theatre industry um, and uh, and choreographers do tend to cross over a bit but you very much get theatre choreographers and dance choreographers um, and yeah. that's a broad statement but that's my we're starting idea. to see yeah. a little bit more crossover here yeah. in yeah. the U.S. especially with the success of some of the dance television shows that are bringing mm. Um, mm. you know like so you think you can dance and and some of those yeah. choreographers that are going in who have training uh, mm. outside to to help choreograph on those shows. You've got people like yeah. Sonia Taye, who was one of your contemporaries mm -hmm. on Broadway this year uh, with two yeah. shows. Um, and then uh, a choreographer like Anne Teresa de Kiersmaker, who's, uh, ah, you know, uh, uh, an icon in heroes. the non-theater dance worlds. And mm, right. she's choreographing on Broadway this year. And so much of your training, I, I, I think, explains <laughs> why your movement base is so focused on storytelling, which is so cool your yeah. your uh, drama school training was so based in that but um you talked about moving to the uk what was your inspiration to do that was it just sort of like that's what you did when you graduated from school or did you and also um, when did you know you wanted to choreograph was it something that you found out as a dancer or or was it something you knew a long time ago and um, i definitely knew i wanted to choreograph when uh, in my final year so i did three years in my degree and then i did a fourth honors year and i specialized in choreography and movement and um, started making work then and realized I absolutely adored it and kind of did it because it was part of my course rather than because I thought I wanted to do it and then went, oh my goodness, I love the, I love it very, very much. Um, moved to England actually because my parents both have British passports and my both sets of my grandparents are British. Suddenly I've gone very South African. Not sure what's happened here. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was Leo. He inspired it. Hear yeah. it like, um, <laughs> Plus, so uh, kind of early 2000s, I was actually still studying at university. They moved to England, my entire family, both my sisters and my parents and my brother, and they moved and I stayed in South Africa. So I always knew I was going to go and try it out. Came to England, tried it out, spent the first year working in uh, like awful research job in an office, um, 
and doing what they call here is amateur dramatics. So it's kind of like, you know, people's hobbies. They go and they put on shows. And it was literally the only way I could be involved. And it was the best decision I ever made. I adore those societies. I had a community. I was making art. And I met uh, Slung Low, which is the theatre company of which I'm an associate of. And mm-hmm. we were all students then. And we were just a bunch of artists making work together. And now that company itself has grown and expanded. And that whole team of people are now running theatres and directing massive shows and, uh, you know, arts leaders uh, in, the, in the UK. So that is the kind of company I grew up with. Didn't think I'd last longer than about a year. I was so homesick. And then it's sort of 16 years this year that I've been here. So wow, wow. It's stuck, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was really excited that you were coming on the show, Lucy, because I'm also a mom in the Broadway community. Uh, and um, <laughs> I... Oh, already getting choked up. Here we go. Um, <laughs> You'll set me off. So there are so many challenges to being a mom, and there are so many challenges to being an artist. And mm. could you sort of talk or speak to the positives and negatives of being an artist and a creator mm. and balancing motherhood and how that has affected your work or changed your work and um, how you make it and how you make it work all, all, the all of those things <laughs> all the work um gosh I, i'm gonna have to be careful not to talk for too long here because this is a topic very close to my heart the challenges I think involve just the you know the the pure exhaustion of it I thought I was busy before I thought I had a lot to think about before and the the sheer mental fatigue of taking care of another human being and my husband is incredibly active father an incredibly present father and uh, and definitely does loads of the heavy lifting so it's not like I'm a single mom trying to do it and yeah it's things like arriving at work knowing you've had 90 minutes sleep and And there's only so much sympathy that gets you. People are like, oh, you look a bit tired, but now you just have to be at work. Um, yeah. And and also you constantly feel like you're apologizing to both parts of your life. I constantly feel like I'm never present enough um, for my son. And then also I'm, I'm not, never feel like I'm quite prepared enough. I never feel like I'm quite um, ready enough when I walk in the room. I was really lucky in that I had a load of people around me who just encouraged me to get on with it. And I think that was the best advice I got because I think it was that he was only about five months old and we took Merchant of Venice to Chicago and it was a thrust stage and we'd been at the Globes and we'd been in kind of a prosarch sort of extended prosage mm. and the director said do you want to come and I was like I, I'm still breastfeeding I have a five month old and he was like well bring him and I did I just got on a plane and took him on my own and and I remember <laughs> standing at the back of the theater with him in a sling and 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 the company just sort of held him and I was literally I remember teaching choreography at the globe while breastfeeding and <laughs> uh, and everybody's like wow how are you doing that and I was like well I just don't know what else I would do I would never say no to the job and I adore my son so it and I'm lucky that the people I worked for absolutely Absolutely embraced it. Connor, especially on the show, Davy. Davy was 14 months old when I started the show, um, and I don't live in London, so I was I was packing up a bag, uh, getting on a train on Monday morning with him in a sling and a backpack on, and just arriving in London, and often taking him to rehearsals with me, and often just handing him off to a nanny, like 14 months old, staying in it, getting to a hotel at half past six, or a, or a, or a you know room, building a cot, sticking tin foil on windows to block out the sun. Uh, breastfeeding him to sleep, slumping into the couch, going, I have to choreograph a number before tomorrow. Right. Oh my God. Work, 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 getting up, feeding him probably every 90 minutes through the night, getting up the next morning, doing it again. And and I don't, looking back now, I have no idea how I did it. Absolutely yeah. no idea. You just do it because you have to. Do, absolutely you do yeah. because you yeah. love both equally and they both inspire each other and they both mm. lift you up and they both keep you going. So those are the challenges. What I would say, the best thing about it is, and, and I've spoken to so many directors and theatre makers who are moms as well, who all say the same thing. It, it genuinely, I think, has made me better at my job because I am, I have less time to waste on the stuff that's not important. Yeah. I choose jobs that I only know are going to be challenging, fulfilling, and interesting. I have limited amount of headspace for the stuff that, I think blocked me from making good work. I care less what people think. Yes. And I don't mean that in a kind of like, yeah, not in a kind of like, um, oh, I, I 
everybody must just get out my way. I know everything yeah. kind of way. Right. Just to know all the gump that comes with being self-conscious as an artist can sometimes help you. You end up making ego decisions because you're worried about what people are. You're worried about yourself as the choreographer as opposed to the work. Mm. And what being a mom has given me is is it's just about the work because that's all I have time for. Right. <laughs> and it sounds, it sounds like uh, I was worried people might think I wouldn't be able to do my job properly because I was more tired and more busy and I was, had a human to not kill, look after. But <laughs> actually, it genuinely has made me, <laughs> it's genuinely made me discerning and, and passionate. And when I get to go to work, I love being there. And when I get to come home, I get to spend it with my son. So it's kind of been a real focusing of a lens for me in going, I understand what's important now. I, I appreciate that's not going to be everybody's reaction. I definitely couldn't have another one. Respect anybody who's got more than one. I have enough space in my head and in my life and in my work for one perfect small boy who, um, who we didn't think we could have anyway and spent 10 years thinking we weren't going to have kids. And I think having him later in life was probably also a blessing. But yeah, it's, um, oh man, love love it and also I'm so tired all the time <laughs> thank you for sharing that oh I my just, gosh it was I, gorgeous I feel like if you were here Lucy we'd just like hug each other and like have a drink because you echo so many Absolutely. of my sentiments about Yay. just not just I just don't give a shit anymore I really don't I just like I just, I am like, it, sh like my daughter has made me like absolutely incapable of bullshit because there's just no time. <laughs> oh, yeah. No time. And same, yeah, same in the room with, with, with actors and dancers. And I think they do appreciate it as well. Well, I hope they do. Yeah. Is that I'm like, I don't have time for the nonsense to come into the room. Let's just make this thing together. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have time to indulge. Nonsense. I'm not going to swear. But I, yeah. I swore <laughs> twice. Sorry, Mike. Sorry. I said, oh, I I said shit and bullshit. So we don't have any FCC <laughs> regulations <laughs> here. So I think we're fine. Now I've said it four times. But I, I also, I just applaud you because there's so many there. We have a, a very tight knit group of moms that are on Broadway. Um, and I'm sad that you didn't get to do experience it a little bit more. I but when you come back, that. but it's yeah. really grown. And I think that it's really mm -hmm. important for us to be vocal that you can create you can be an artist and you can be a kick-ass mom you can do it all with your village of course but I think Absolutely. it's just I think the stories of moms and especially creators choreographers um being you know leading a company it's just so mm. inspiring and it's important and so thank you for, for sharing that <laughs> You're so welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I think on that note of just getting to know you and realizing how empathetic and seems like selfless you are, um, getting to know you, oh, I want I, I want to I want to ask you about your work with David Toole. David Toole, uh, for those who haven't seen his work, is a, a self-described disabled dancer who moves and dances without legs, and his work is absolutely incredible. Uh, tell mm. us about how you two started working together and the importance of your work together in your life. Oh, Dave is so remarkable. He's um, uh, not only an amazing artist and dancer, but such such an amazing guy. And, and I'm so proud that he's genuinely, I can brag, he's one of my dearest, dearest friends now. Hmm. Um, I saw Dave uh, in a DVH show when I was still a student in South Africa. I came over here to visit my parents and we went to the DVH show. And I waited at the stage door for his autograph and um, chickened out. And then oh about, yeah, about four or five years later, I moved to the UK and um, ended up being cast in a play with him. It wasn't even a dance show. It was a, it was a straight play. And there were only four of us in the show. And we toured nationally. And um, we it was just the four of us, five of us on the road together. And um, we were doing kind of different city every day. It was insane. And we got really close. And, and we were in various other shows together over the years. Um, and, and obviously I sort of always loved his work. And then we, in 2012, it was probably before 2012 when we had the Olympics here, there was a load of um, funding applications for new pieces of work. And we'd made a little two-hander that we'd been kind of joking about in hotel rooms, you know, for, for months. And we eventually made it. And it was about kind of the cartoon versions of ourselves where a, a cartoon version of me, sort of blonde, average everything. So, you know, average height, blonde hair, blue eyes, standard dancer, walks into an audition room and, and doesn't really stand out from anybody else. And then the complete opposite end of the scale, this extraordinary man 
who's a dancer and is defying every kind of stereotype that exists around disability and who he should be and, and who he wants to be. And, and he was, and the show was called Extraordinary. And, and it was just about that experience of me desperately wanting to dance with him and desperately his biggest, biggest fan and him just genuinely fed up, reached a point in his career where he was like, I only get cast because I have no legs. And I'm there going, nobody casts me because I look like everybody else in the room and me dying to be extraordinary and him dying to be ordinary. And we have this uh, kind of very human piece and we end up being quite nasty to each other in the piece and then we make up and then we dance at the end for a good 20 minutes uh, just a really beautiful duet that we had some guest choreographers in and we toured that internationally and we got very close and then we got some funding to make another piece together with uh, a dance company in Cape Town and it kind of just it just grew we worked with various integrated dance companies people for a while started saying oh you do disabled dance integrated dance and I genuinely found that incredibly uncomfortable because I don't feel like I feel like I worked with some amazing dancers and I don't just mean that like in a like oh actually everybody can be a dancer way I it never felt like I was ever working in a different industry it just felt like I was still making work it felt like I was still making genuinely beautiful human human work with some wonderful dancers um and uh yeah and it was really special we actually I was one of the dance captains on the Paralympics opening ceremony and Dave was dancing in it and he flew above the whole stadium and there was this amazing moment where we were just sitting on the in the stadium in the pouring rain on the day expecting you know however many half a million people in the stadium and 4.5 billion on the tv or something to watch it live and we were both sort of lying on our backs just looking up at the sky and he just said to me he was like do you remember when we were in a really rubbish hotel room like (laughs) drinking disgusting beer from the supermarket talking about how one day we'd take over the world and now we're doing the Paralympics opening ceremony it's an Um, incredible story that's so yeah, he's an extraordinary guy. Yeah, and if you haven't seen any of his work uh, or any of your work together, there's for for the listeners out there, you can Google Lucy and, and David's names, and and there's some really beautiful images and and video out there. You talked a little bit a few minutes ago about Slunglo, and I just want to address that really quick. It, there's so much about it, but then also so much that's very difficult to understand. It sounds incredible. <laughs> so you're an artistic associate there. You've been with the company for like close to 10 years now, I think. It's a theater company that specializes in creating, quote, epic productions in non-theatrical spaces, which sounds so right up your alley, first yeah. of all, and so <laughs> awesome. Does. So how did you become a part of it? And, and is that description correct? <laughs> Uh, absolutely correct. Um, Slunglo is that community of artists that I met when I first started out. I'm going to try, I realize I talk a lot, so I'm going to try and give you a concise answer and encourage listeners <laughs> we to love go it. to the oh, website. You're good. You're good. Um, <laughs> we make such a variety of work and the company, like any theatre company, has evolved over I think I've probably been with the company maybe close to 13 years, actually. And the work that we make is constantly evolving. The things that stay with the company and are now consistent are, one, I would say 90% of our shows are on headphones. So the audience receive a set of headphones and a little um, receiver box, like a radio transmitter, Mm -hmm. and all the actors are mic'd up. And and every actor has an earpiece as well. And um, the shows are always outdoors or always on sites twice now we've made shows on water in massive uh, docks and um we had a ship we did a adaption of moby dick called the white whale where the whole ship started under the water and then we pumped air into cylinders and the whole set floated up and then the actors jumped on it was amazing and all the actors had to drive boats and yeah, it, it was amazing. And I want to be in this company. That's I know. Awesome. I want to drive a boat. Yeah, seriously. What are auditions? We're <laughs> <laughs> all um, oddly out so of much work, fun. So if you know, <laughs> everybody's free. <laughs> great thing about that is it's very filmic. Uh, you can have this 3D experience, but the actors can talk this quietly. Um, and everything is underscored. There's a full movie soundtrack. Every actor has the director in their ear the whole show. And that's because when we're outside, anything can go wrong and it has gone wrong lots of times. So it'll be mid-show and the director will be like, right, so the audience are coming around the corner on Princess Street, please stand by. They'll be with you in three, 
to, and a truck has driven in the way. Great. We're going to divert them <laughs> right. via the street. And like, it's a live, completely live experience. Uh, you know, so-and-so's mic has died uh, because he's, uh, he got it wet. So we're going to skip his monologue and we're going to go <gasps> to you now, Sally. And so you're acting and oh, you have wow. the director in your ear the entire show. The second thing that is really vital and consistent to the show is they're all community shows. So anything up to sort of three, five hundred members of, of the community are in the in the cast as well. So oh you God. have huge epic scenes and they're all community members. And then what that leads to as part of being a community led so we have we have professional actors and community actors and then made for and with and in a particular community and usually about a particular community. Then that goes with that as well. It's we eat together, we we hang out together. We have, um, as it makes sense that that same theater company has been turned into a food bank for mm. during this crisis because it's about being useful and being kind. We now have a community college where you can do free courses, free adult courses, anything from wood whittling to cooking to playwriting to CPR. And they run throughout the year at the theatre. So yeah, that's it's a very special company. It's very it was very similar to the public works at, at the um yeah. at the public theatre. Those works, kind of lovely right. big shows they do. Yeah, and um, where they're community driven and they're incredibly high quality shows. But yeah, it's a very special team and family. And I wouldn't have a job in the UK if I hadn't met that community. Um, it sounds absolutely <laughs> amazing. Um, it really does. It sounds absolutely <laughs> amazing. Cool. It also sounds like uh, a very possible like future for theater, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. with exactly the thinking, the combination yeah. of uh, well, something that could happen, you know, sooner than later with the idea of sort of being in open spaces and the individuality of of performance and everybody can sort of have their space. But the combination yeah. of media and technology and um, it's just absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Last question, Lucy, before we let you go. So we're looking at this season, this unprecedented season with nine incredible women who were hired to bring shows to Broadway. What does that mean to you in terms of representation and how do we keep this momentum going? You know, I read I read your amazing article about the statistics of all that, and and it really shocked me because I hadn't really, even as a woman, hadn't really engaged with the those numbers and those percentages, mm-hmm. and um and it really really got me thinking. I think the the most important thing about all this is that diversity of voices no matter what kind of diversity that is just makes better storytelling otherwise we just become a massive echo chamber and it's not just women but but women from different classes sexual orientations and racial backgrounds who've been locked out of broadway and the west end for so long but it is it is those organizations those institutions at the top of our industry that absolutely create our shared theatrical heritage so it's not just about giving other people a chance it's about better storytelling better better variety of voices and therefore drawing in a better more wider audience as well we can tell wider stories we can we can capture a, the, a true representation of the world rather than kind of just spinning around in a drum of the same kind of styles and things. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is wholly a good thing. Absolutely. It's good news for everybody, not just women. How we keep the momentum going, I'm not sure. I, I don't know who those gatekeepers are and I don't know how we do it. I think, I think one of the ways is, that, is talking about it, is, is noticing it, stopping and looking at it and taking note of it and going, this shouldn't be a big deal, but it is. And let's yeah. celebrate that. Let's note it, and you know, for which I congratulate you guys and this this really brilliant thing chance to come and talk today as well. Note it, congratulate ourselves, maybe try a bit harder, and uh, keep driving forward. Yeah, Ugh, that's Amazing. so good. You're so. <laughs> You're so good. You're so You're good at this. Such You're such so a good awesome. Person. Wow. You just like talk me to sleep every night. It's like I'm just nodding. I'm like, tell, sorry. Stop it. Like, <laughs> tell me a story, Luz. I just like open her up in a little box and just like listen. Hey, Lucy. No, Ed, I think up, you girl? come over to the U.S. and let's start a slunglo too right here in the U.S. and oh and, my god, uh, that would. You know, I'll tell you something I haven't tell you is also I married slunglo. So the guy who runs Slunglow, that dude, number like whatever on the top 100 
uh, most influential men in British theatre. I'm married, so I did very well. <laughs> you did. You did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> wow, uh, an amazing person. Eloquency is so beautiful. Um, Lucy, thank you. <laughs> so, so much for sharing your outlook and your artistic intelligence and, and everything that you do with us today. We're so lucky to have spent the time with you today. And thank you for putting up with Ellen's unfair um, trivia game. But, I'm sorry, uh, she won fair and square. She won yeah, fair and square. Well, you know what? After, after all that, I'm, I'm not, I don't doubt it at all. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. A couple of little things to drop. Um, if you do want to follow and keep track of what Lucy is up to. Lucy, what are your social media handles that people oh, yeah. can up with you at? Uh, Twitter is the best one and it's Lucy May Hines because that's my middle name. <laughs> and I think on Instagram, I'm Lucy Hines. Nice and Great. easy. For the sake of it too, is there anything for Slung Low as well? Uh, yeah, I think we're I think we're just at Slung Low. But also if you go onto mine, I think in my bios, I've got the Slung Low one. Great. Okay, cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, also, make sure you check out Broadway Trivia, Ellen. Uh, where can people find Broadway Trivia? Thanks. We're at we're at Broadway Trivia on the Instagram, and then you can follow Theater Mania for our Thursday trivia as well. That's very cool. Um, and as Lucy so kindly mentioned, you can also check out my blog, New York City Dance News and Culture, at nycdancenews.com, where that article is that she was talking about with all those statistics. Um, we have a lot more interviews and great content coming up on the Pod of the Podcast in the next few weeks. Um, we're going to get as many of the women who choreographed on Broadway or were supposed to choreograph on Broadway coming up in the new episodes. You can listen to the Pod of the Podcast anywhere that you find your podcasts now. Make sure that you follow us on all of our social handles at Podada on Twitter and Instagram and head over to the Facebook page and give us a like and you drop any comments that you think that you want to let us know about and hit up the website podada.com. And you can watch all of this on the YouTube page if you're not already doing that. Lastly, you can follow us on our social media handles. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Michael Mahaney. <laughs> I'm Ellen with a Y. I'm Ellen Marsh on all the things. And I'm at Raponi on Instagram. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Ellen and Kevin, for being champions of dance. Thank you, listeners. <laughs> we wouldn't be here without you. We will see you soon on the Pod of the Podcast with more of the badass women of Broadway. Lucy, thank you again. We'll see you guys soon. Thank Thanks you. again. Thank you, Lucy. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye. Bye.